So, you're a musician. Each week, we're going to discuss survival within the music industry. We'll chat to professionals who can help us and you find a way. Talking about things like how to get a job, what's the point in networking? <laughs> Staying sane. <laughs> that as well, yeah. So if you're lost and not sure what to do next, welcome to the club and welcome to the Open Bat Podcast. So Tristan, this is episode number five and it's a special one. It is a special one. So me and Will are here and we've also got the lovely Grace George joining us and she's made us very welcome in her, in her house, in her front room, which is normally the games room, but it's been, she's kicked out her brother for today to have us, which is nice. <laughs> so welcome, Grace. How are you? You good? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So before we get into the Grits of the Podcast, a little bit about Grace George. She's a singer-songwriter from St Albans originally, but does a lot of work in Devon, which is where I know her from personally. Uh, and me and Will will probably join in a big sort of congratulations because more a couple of months ago but you hit 10 million streams on spotify wow i did i'm still mind blown by that because you know i don't think i can even count 10 million it would take me a very long time (laughs) i mean that's probably why i'm in music not not maths not maths i don't think that's what accountants do personally (laughs) i don't know all day sitting counting (laughs) big numbers Wow. I got 10,000 today that'd be great <laughs> no that's a huge achievement when did like the the Spotify streams did you notice like start sort of like taking off because I know you started working with a record company or record label yeah did that when it it started to sort of peak is that when it started to, to, to sort of go up tell us a little bit about how you got involved with with that in particular and what it is exactly in your contract and stuff Yes, um, it's it's wild for sure. So TriStar Records are amazing. It's run by Matt Johnson. He's the CEO and he was in a boy band back in the day. Yeah. And uh, I think he had a bit of a rough time in the music industry. I okay. mean, I think we well, can all say that as yeah. artists, we've all had our ups and downs. Yeah, of course. And he very much wants to create a label that is for the people that like like him who've sort of struggled and, and want mm. want an in so okay. he's brilliant and nice. i work with two awesome guys who produce my tracks and then we send it off to to matt and he does all the distribution and i mean him himself he's got a huge following um mm. for these acoustic covers okay. so um yeah it's it's exclusively an acoustic covers label wow. and we release famous songs and make them different and yeah. more chilled laid back it's a very background kind of style so you'll hear it in sort of a cinematic um scene yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. like we get a lot of placements in love island and stuff and yeah it's it's brilliant the the artists i'm on the label with are so good and we all create the similar kind of sound but it really works it's definitely got a place in the market it's weird i've noticed since like I've met a few people that are not signed to similar contracts, but release their music that do well. Love Island are quite a good platform for promoting oh, yeah. new they? music. They're brilliant. Oh, like, see, I haven't heard about this, but yeah. it sounds interesting. I've got a friend called Latia and he's been played on it like three or four times. Just oh, wow. like a completely independent guy. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Let's support. Shout out to Love Island. They're brilliant. We yeah, it's all about the shazams. There you go. Yeah, there you go. absolutely. It is good. So, sorry. Karen, so how did you get to the stage right now? What, what's the story? Well, I went to school with Will back when we were at secondary school. And then I went on to be in a performing arts school, which um, Mm -hmm. definitely made me as an artist. I was there from the age of 16 to 18. And then I graduated and went straight into work. So Mm. I felt I had my 
basis of sort of that was almost my university education there because it was mm. I was taught by industry professionals I was um doing sort of work experience I was already gigging I mean I've been gigging since I was 13 14 years yeah, old wow. fantastic yeah <laughs> um I've always loved being on stage but yeah actually mm. doing it properly I was about 13 14 and then it sort of t- took me to being 18 to doing it full time and I haven't stopped since. So, so when you started gigging at that young age, was it always individually? Did was you did you always play guitar? Were you always just like go busking with that sort of setup or go to your gigs with that setup? Or did you have people play with you at a young age that helped sort of encourage you into more of these gigs? I mean, it started when I was um, five, I think okay. I was. My dad bought home a guitar for me and my brother each. Oh, wow. And it was either a piano or a little Spanish guitar each. Okay. And he came home with those because he could play guitar. Ah. And he taught me until ooh, I was, well, he taught me a little bit of what he knew. Okay. And then he didn't want to come on stage with me because that wasn't his thing. Right, fair enough. So, which I think is, you know. I think lots of people have that though, don't they? They do. He liked playing it in his own home, you know, and yeah. there's a lot of people who like that and they don't want the attention. No. Um, so it was either I go up alone or I learned how to play guitar. So mm. I did and... I I think the first few times I went up at open mic, I was 10. And that was when I first started open micing. Oh, wow. I know. Was that around St. Albans area? No, that was in Devon because uh, okay. my mum at the time, she felt it was a much more relaxed scene and there was less kind of mm. judgment, should okay. we say. Yeah, sure. So it was all right because I was 10 and I was there with my parents, you know, it was fine. And then I started playing guitar properly when I was about 12 started accompanying myself which I I wanted to do because I wanted to be able to do it like everyone else I saw at open mic everyone could do it themselves and I saw them playing guitar and I thought I want to do that so taught myself god the first few years of playing guitar are shocking aren't they (laughs) I mean we all play the guitar here we all sort of yeah yeah they weren't great no no it's not not the worst instrument though is it because at least at least like guitar piano you've got you've got frets it's it's always if you've tuned it it's always in tune unlike things like violin yeah or that can be shocking that there's nothing worse I think when you're a kid and bless them the kid gets up whose parents have made them learn the violin yeah they've probably got a music scholarship because oh, wow. it's a very oh, difficult one or they're probably there on some special thing but yep. uh yep no screeching cats all Bad. all day long yeah. i think crazy. my pet hate is probably parents that force their children to do an instrument that they don't want to do yeah that breaks my heart because yeah. there's no passion in it no. you know no if it's to tick a grade box <laughs> yeah and it's just it's like not. this will help you get yeah. ucas points and stuff mm-hmm. like that but no. so off that is it a real passion for you now well, oh, has it always since, been? Yeah, since I came out of the womb, I've been singing. And then playing guitar was was a means for me to sing. Mm. That's Singing why before. I played guitar, yeah, so I could accompany myself. And now I, I kind of, I do see myself as, yes, a singer-songwriter. My guitar is my thing. Mm. But I also want to be separate from that. And I want to be a pop star and have yeah. my own stage, you know, dance around yeah, as well. Yeah. But the guitar very much is a passion for me because of the life I've had with it and the gigs I've done with it. And, yeah, yeah. Um, a little bit of piano, but, you know, I'm not I'm not a pianist, but I do no, like well, a little... Well, neither of me or you, but no. you're slightly better than me. Well, like, mm. I do envy it, like, to such a degree, like, because I'm not a singer. Bless bless myself <laughs> bless, uh, bless you but um I, I am yeah i'm i'm not a singer at all and i really struggle playing the guitar and creating any kind of noise oh yeah other that was than a... humming along yeah with yes. my own playing so the idea that like we were talking about it a little bit maybe off air like our friends that are self-sufficient 
by just like they are an artist and oh. they can just go and gig like we have to find people and message them like do you want to play a gig like i've got it do you want to set up a band and it's just oh, it's a yeah no, it's oh, a I'm very that's... very envious of that sort of that feeling of being able to do it so when did you start incorporating the loop station from what i've seen of you live and obviously part of a big part of your brand live is that you do start looping things where did that come from where did it originate from and when did you integrate that into your playing that's a good question i was first inspired by Ed Sheeran, I yep. think, like all of us. Mm. I had seen Katie Tunstall as well, who was obviously amazing. Yeah. Um, and I borrowed the Boss two pedal looper from uh-huh. a friend. That was Ed Sheeran's one as well, wasn't it? It the, was when he started. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. Mm. Um. So I started with that. Um. Got very frustrated because it's really difficult. Oh, it's mm. so much harder than you think. Yeah. Had a good play. Was like, okay, this is fun, and then. A mate of mine, Sam Dowden, who's in Devon, yeah. is the Loop Station master. I mean, as well as Ed Sheeran. He is so good. He deserves to be playing stadiums, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> he's very good on the looper. And he kind of inspired me a bit more to stick at it. Yeah. Kept going with the double looper and then actually invested in the RC300, which is... Mm. It's oh, that's, the, that's the really the big, big one, boy. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So that was fun. And I've recently upgraded to the RC600, which is Ooh. even more fun. It's just so much smarter. So it's sort of where the other one used to glitch a bit because I would be creating so many layers. This one, it's got it. You know, yeah, it, it knows what it's doing. It's brilliant. So when you're using that, are you only are you only looping the guitar input or do you loop some vocal stuff as well? I do vocal stuff too, yeah. That's very cool. I love a bit of a harmony. Does it quantize? So like snap in, like just like, so if you if you start a loop on like the beat one, does it work out where the beat one is and like snap ah, to the beat? And that's what quantize means, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that is what quantize means. We've all learned means. something from Tristan quantize today. means, I remember <laughs> I didn't use quantize until I was sat in a room with Will and I recorded a guitar solo and he went, it's out of time, but I'll press this button and it's in time. Oh, yeah. I went, ah. No, no. So Ed Sheeran, I think when mm. he plays live, he's got a click in his ear and he's got someone who... I think he runs an Ableton session off the whole thing. I think so I too. Think it's okay. all triggered Ableton. So he records and then it plays a track yeah. of what he's just recorded. But I could be that wrong. That explains why he's so perfect live. But when he was using the RC30, which I arguably would have rather seen him after he released Plus, yeah. he was mm. just doing it off the RC30. Yeah, it's which is and such that a is talent. so it's such a time, I imagine. But when you're in a stadium, you've got to be, you've got to have some wiggle room, surely. Oh, you can't. I went to see him. It was the best night of my life. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> who supported? So was it Maisie Peters and... And Dylan, Dylan. who I really like wow. as well. I've, yeah. I was a big fan of both of them. So yeah, yeah. seeing all three in one night, I mean, I went with my brother and I think he was just, he was just a bit tired of being sitting next to me because there's all these people sitting very comfortably in their seats and then it's me <laughs> like, <laughs> like couldn't sit down the whole night. They were like, this girl is off her rocker. But he was, he was phenomenal. So, yeah. so from the stage that you get the loop when you first start doing that, what's the journey from then until the covers and the acoustic covers going on Spotify and and that kind of side of things so like I said I've been gigging since I was 13 14 so that's always been my life you Mm. know weekends have been very much gig central and I was always the girl who didn't go to parties necessarily when I was quite young because I was too busy gigging or in a pub playing yeah well you say that at the time I kind of I think I felt I missed out but now Mm. I have no regrets you know I feel that was what I was Mm. made to do and you know I still have fun but yeah I just spend my life in pubs so 
That's for sure. <laughs> right? Sounds ideal. Yeah. 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 It does mean, though, if social events include a pub, I'm like, oh, well, I'm always in the pub, but why not? It's my office. Yes, it is my office, quite yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. But to answer your question, so always been gigging and then... I was approached by Barney, who is one of my producers, mm-hmm. and he contacted me on Facebook Messenger uh, through my face, 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 George, Grace, George, Grace through, George. <laughs> through my Grace, George Facebook page. And I almost, you get messages like that. You don't see them all. No, you know, no. sometimes you miss messages because when you're Grace, George, you get all these people messaging you. <laughs> <laughs> so I might have missed this message. And I always think about the day I received that message and if I'd have sort of just read it and thought, mm, I'm not not interested kind yeah. of thing. But the fact that I actually read it and thought about it has changed my life. So he offered me to come in to the studio, record a cover and see if the label like it. And I did that and yeah. they liked it. And That's cool. it, yeah, the rest is history. So it's been, it's been a journey and I definitely, um, I remember you asked what happened when I went from zero to 10 million. And yeah. I remember the first day, the first song we released, One Touch Acoustic. Okay. Uh, that was ask. a Jess Glynn cover. Yeah. Mm. So that was a big song at the time and that happened to be our first cover and it was just out. It's it's quite quick. And I remember it felt like it'd been a day in the studio and we'd all been on drugs because we did it, we recorded it, really beautiful acoustic ballad. And then we listened to the original mm. and it felt like we were all like on, on in some weird experience because it was like, <laughs> Promise me you'll catch me when I'm weightless. And then you get like, <laughs> promise me you'll catch me when on on the actual track. And we're like, okay, <laughs> we've so done something special here. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, great. I didn't think I'd sing on this podcast, but there you go. There That's you an go. exclusive. Yeah. That's the first time. That's Absolutely. the first time. And so how well did that first track you did with them? Um, it do? jumped. I think I went from, I'm not sure what the time, uh, how long it took to get from zero, but I remember going from zero monthly listeners to well over a hundred, possibly in a day. It was really, it was ridiculous. Wow. And it's just gone up and up since. Um, I think wow. I'm on 350,000 monthly listeners at the moment. Crazy. So it's, it's mind blowing. I look at my Spotify stats all the time because it's so interesting to know that there's people on the other side of the world who've never met me, mm. but they listen to my music That's and it's lovely. like, yeah. who am I? But yeah. they, they, you should go on tour there. I should. I, I'm big in the Philippines. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I haven't told you, love you to go this there. yet. We've got our first listener from Jordan. Oh, we've got a listener in Jordan, which is exciting. I but, wonder yeah. if they but like Grace George. We'll, well have to ask well, them. Hopefully, they'll listen now. They're now going to know about you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, in terms of the covers, what's the process for, for choosing what cover is going to be done? So the boys I work with, no, they knew the business. Sure. So they were suggesting songs and we were doing them and they were working really well. Especially my second cover was Heaven is a Place on Earth. Yeah. Which I would have been like, ooh, not sure. Song from the 80s. Will that go down well? It's one of my biggest hitters. It's People brilliant. love it. <laughs> mm. And actually, I don't know why I even doubted it because I knew it was a big song. I just thought, mm. is it me? Okay. And the fact that we made it me has made me, wow, I can do anything. So mm. I've done songs that they've suggested. I've done songs that I've suggested, songs that I feel really passionate about, artists that I feel really passionate about and mm. just completely change them. Um, I mean, my vocal style is definitely different on the covers to what you'd hear at a gig yeah. because it's very much 
it's something that people have in their ears and it's very yeah, it's, it's personal sort of yeah yeah i know what you mean and it's meant for people you know on my spotify um checklist when i submit the songs it says what would it be best for and it's like studying and okay. relaxing that kind of thing yeah. hmm. so it's very different whereas at the gig i'm like everyone get up your feet come on <laughs> <laughs> so is so so grace george as a uh, as a brand is that is the live version different from the recorded version? Is there like a real distinct difference in your head or is it all part of the same entity? I am one entity, but okay. I am, I can't be tamed, Will. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> I like to think I have multiple personalities. Okay, cool. No, I, I mean, it is one. I am, Grace George is an artist who does these acoustic covers because she loves making music and... I am making covers. I've always loved recording covers since I started gigging because that's how we all start gigging. We all start gigging, playing mm -hmm. covers. I, covers are still a major part of my gigs today. Sure. So I, I guess when you play pubs, you just, you play what people want to hear and you you sing louder because people in pubs are loud. That's that's yeah. the reality. And I think when I record my own stuff, everything has a journey. And I start in that acoustic covers place where it's really chilled. And then I will build a bit more because with the acoustic covers, we can't go too big vocally because no, it'll, it'll make people go, oh, yeah. I wasn't ready for that. But when I do my own stuff, it, it's more of a journey. But the acoustic covers are their own that you go on a journey but you stay on the journey if you know okay, what i mean okay sure yeah yeah so how has it affected your cuz before you 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 did sign the record deal you you had music out already mm -hmm. how has your streaming taken off because that really interests me if you do cuz obviously you've you've kept your own music on your own spotify and it's all released through you which is great because it yes. hasn't had to move into a separate account or anything like that has your streams on like um heaven is a place on earth really affected your stuff that you released before that like has that streaming taken a jump as well or has that stuff stayed pretty unsought of so are people basically accessing your artistry personally or are they getting this from playlisting i think a big thing about streaming is a stream only counts if you listen to the song the whole way through a lot of people don't know that mm. so it's if you listen to the first 30 seconds, you're like, mm, this isn't really me, mm. then it doesn't count. No. So I guess as a listener, to answer your question, if someone found my cover and thought, oh yeah, that's really good. A lot of the time people are on Spotify radio and stuff like that. So yeah. it might play me and some other artists on my label who are similar. I'm and sure. then they would never, unless they were so obsessed, they wouldn't necessarily click on my profile and, and go, go to my to other that. music. Yeah. So it does depend. I've definitely seen a rise in streams of my other stuff. That's good. Um, yeah. but I think unless people are solely listening to my music, they wouldn't mm. necessarily find even the other covers, mm. but for some reason, the covers are just, it's, there is a huge market for them right now. And people are definitely after the chilled mm. acoustic vibes. So Will, when do we start recording our chilled vibe? Yeah. I, I don't think me and you singing is something that, um, we don't something that people want to, to kind of move on a little bit. Social media. And Ooh. and your experience with social media. What are some of like the lessons you've learned doing it? Oh, lessons of social media. Don't get hung up on likes mm -hmm. because I I don't think I've ever been hung up on likes. But I think social media can be very unhealthy 
in some ways. Mm. And I'm not, because it's my job and I use social media for my business, mm. I've never been able to go, ah, I'm fed up with social media. I'm going to take a break. I've yeah. never felt like I could do that. Mm. Yes, I could, but I might lose some of my business. So it's very much so the social side of it for me is is how I work. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I don't get hung up on that kind of thing. I I don't post like seven times a day because no. I think that you have to be strategic about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's definitely following the algorithms. Obviously on a, a platform like TikTok, it's beneficial probably to post as much content as possible. Yes. But on something like Instagram, which is probably your main social media, if it not is, Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do have to be strategic with that in a certain way. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about as it as like a, prof- a professional sort of thing because that's where people probably tend to struggle with the perception of it. Like when you mm. go on social media and you do a post, are you in like if you post a reel are you anyway hung up if it doesn't do as well as the last reel or are you just like it's fine like i've just i got over it i'm yeah i'm very chilled about that sort of mm. thing i'll be more bothered if for example if something in real life doesn't go well because mm. for me social media isn't real life it's just it's a fake version of ourselves isn't it it's just us putting a little facade on for the world Mm. and some people say to me wow you're killing it right now and inside sometimes I think oh I'm not but thanks and I say oh really I hope it looks like that but that is it because we are putting on a show you know no one's social media is truly accurate to what they're doing right now I don't think no so you're showing you're not even showing that best one second of the day are you you're showing that tiny snapshot when you look at your best you're doing the most interesting thing um, but like I was having a look through your social media on today and it looks like it has a brand does it yeah I, I, I oh, think so thank you that means a lot because do you know what I used to get hung up on you know some people have this real aesthetic with their mm. Instagram mm. and everything's got a white border or they've just done it to a colour scheme that used to make me so I used to get so envious of that and then I just I just thought what is wrong with me like it's okay this is my life isn't beautifully aesthetic my life is sometimes messy and beautiful and all these colorful things it's not like that so why am i making people perceive it as that so it's hard to then i find once you've branded yourself on a social media with that like white bordered or if everything's with a certain theme it's so hard to be sustainable and then you can't say five years later unless you've got like a significant thing to say as an artist i guess you you write an album and you make a new album then you can probably change your branding but it has to be that then to because it is a business for you like it has to continue the way it is so maybe reinventing yourself with each post is nice i love it i just post what i feel in Mm. in that time and you know for example we lost the queen yeah recently I posted a picture of the Queen and she deserves to be on my page. Like, I mean, she's the Queen of she's the Queen of England. She deserves a lot of things. But I just mean I had no feelings. Oh, this doesn't look right with the picture I just posted. No, you just you wanted know, to. I wanted her to be on my feed and she belongs there and she will stay there forever. Yeah. And that is a moment in history. And yes, it's all different colours, but I love it. I love it. It's yeah. messy, it's me. That's it's a little bit wonky. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you plan for that messiness or, or is that is that like just completely authentic <laughs> it's authentic it's completely that's a authentic. lovely way of putting it yes <laughs> authentic mess <laughs> do you find yourself getting a lot of work through social media like is that how you find yes. the majority of your gigs you would say um yes and partly lemon rock which is the uk's biggest gig guide created by mac mclaren who mm. is actually a local saint 
Albion. I think, would you say that, yeah, Will? Yeah, St. Albion? Yeah. It sounds very posh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but let's go with it. He's from St. Albans and he created Lemon Rock, which is, okay. um, it's throughout the UK. It's brilliant. Mm. And everyone posts their gigs on there and that's useful. Get gigs from that. Social media, word of mouth is a big one. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget the old fashioned way. Um, yeah, that does seem to be the way still quite a lot of the it time. It is, isn't it? Word of mouth and just... Mm-hmm. I, think, I, I think part of that is when something's word of mouth, there's trust involved. Because yeah. because the that conversation often, apart from when it happens between drunk people, but often only happens between people who know each other. <laughs> yeah, but it's gigging yeah. we're talking about. We're always drunk. Well, yeah. We are musicians. <laughs> <laughs> there's never an in-between. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, 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 but I, I think that word, with the word of mouth kind of way of, way of communicating and passing information and stuff i i think the the inherent trust that has to happen maybe means that there's a more it's more likely that the there's something's going to come out of that do you think yeah i would agree with that yeah definitely if if a venue has told another venue that they really recommend like yes yeah, then it makes a huge difference definitely yeah yeah no it, it is i think it's still the most important one i think it's how a lot of signing still happens i think you need Do to you? meet people yeah well no i think for to be signed by like a major label say if it was your original music mm. from everyone i've spoken to that works at major labels or is involved or is signed themselves they always say you probably need a streaming platform equivalent to yours or a bit less than yours like a few hundred thousand monthly listeners mm-hmm. good social media Basically, you need to do everything that the record label maybe 10, 15 years ago would do for you for the first five years. And then if you're still doing well, they might go, yeah. And it's the right gap in the market. If their branding at the time is a label, their ethnicities and everything Mm. like that, then they will will pursue it. But I think still from that, A&Rs will still go and meet with people, be in the room with people, go to their gigs and see how they are see that's really interesting you've said that because i'm pleased for the listeners you've said that Mm. because i'm very much on a path right now where i believe yes i'm going to gigs Mm. but people don't a and r's won't find you at a gig they'll find you on their phone i'm a bit more on that i think they will but i think they will then come to a gig if you are gigging and they're in that vicinity good to know i think because you know everyone's on their phones nowadays aren't they Mm. and you know tiktok's where it's at but Will's big on TikTok. Oh. Oh, well, no, 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 I'm really not. I, I, I mean, I had a stab of it. Have you? Over lockdown, I was writing so much and I tried to go viral, but I stupidly tried to go viral being funny. When we all know I'm a musician, not a comedian. And I tried to do all these stupid. So if you go to my TikTok now, at official Grace George, yeah. and you scroll down, you can see me like pretending to walk my China dog. There's just some really random stuff wow. on there. It's oh, Spike. Have you not met Spike? So no. my mum has a China dog that we call Spike and he, his eyes follow you everywhere. Like it's really weird, but <laughs> he's a Doberman. So Spike is in my TikTok. There's some really stupid stuff going on on there. And hi, any of it it's me singing so now i've decided to transition mm. and actually get some music stuff on my tiktok and see what happens and and how's that gone so far <laughs> well um haven't gone viral yet but yet being the key word yeah. so it's a work in progress is, is it something that you are you work at that independently as in a, away from instagram or do you kind of you try and combine those two things so the stuff you post on tiktok ends up on instagram and vice versa Today I did a reel 
on Instagram, but I also post it on TikTok. So I guess sure. sometimes, mm. but I think with TikTok, it's very much quantity, not quality. So there's some stuff that mm. goes on TikTok that I would not want on my Instagram because it's it's just less, less time has gone into it because of the yeah, sheer sure. quantity you need to post on TikTok to be seen. Yeah. So I think yes and no. There's okay. a bit of a... Yeah, no, I get that. And balance. so I saw earlier on in the year, you went over to America to sing in a wedding. I did. How did that come about? How Because wow. that looked amazing. It looked like a very posh American wedding. I don't know. I've not been to an American <laughs> yes. wedding. It looks Twilight-esque, if you oh, like. It was phenomenal. So yeah, that was that kick-started my 2022. Mm. It just was the highlight of my year before the year had even begun. So I was contacted by a softball celebrity called Jen. And she is big out there in LA for the soft well in whole of America for the softball scene and she contacted me and said that her friend had got married and they had um my acoustic cover at their wedding and they found wow. my voice they found me on Apple Music and they've been listening to me ever since and her best friend Amanda was getting married and she wanted her gift to Amanda to be me coming to the wedding and oh singing my gosh. and she originally texted me on well messaged me on Instagram and said hi do you play weddings yes i play weddings all yes. the time whereabouts are you or you know the usual questions mm. to give it to get a quote and she just goes oh um houston and um she asked me a couple of questions and i was just in MS with my mum as you know as you do and i went i sort of google mapped houston and i saw houston and hayes and i went mum where's houston like <laughs> and she was like what texas and i was like no no we're talking and i went hold on no I was like no surely we're talking the UK so I messaged her just to confirm I'm in England London England and I said are you talking about Houston Texas and she went yeah she was like I had no idea you weren't in America and she was like okay well let's see if we can do the logistics of this let's see if we can make it work so she flew me out she it oh it was one of the best experiences of my life because I've hardly been anywhere you know I'm a poor musician we don't just go off gallivanting to (laughs) America when we want um so yeah that was next level and I played Amanda's beautiful wedding I got to sing I made the day of it so I sung at the ceremony as the bridal party and the bride walked down the aisle, which there was such a big group of them. It ended up being four songs to get them all down the aisle. So I'm there like, come on, everyone. Not, you know, chip, chip, chop, chop, chip, chop. chop. Start playing more upbeat music. Yeah. Just running. But it was, it was so beautiful. Um, I've never been to Houston. That's where it was. And we flew into Dallas and then we drove to Houston and that was a very long drive that was four and a half hours you know I'm thinking St Albans to Devon is about three and a half four hours it'll be mm. fine it was not fine after a long flight and no. being up all day so that was busy and then played the wedding the next day in Houston and the weddings in America are slightly different they're just everything happens in kind of a different order so we were just embracing it and I did the ceremony and then they did cocktail hour which was quite normal so I played for a cocktail yeah. hour mm-hmm. And then we did the first dance 
Okay. And which you I were played. The, you were the singer for the first dance. That's the one thing okay. they were originally going to book me for because they loved Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, my cover. Okay. And that was their song. And it, when they were messaging me, they sounded a bit stalkerish because mm. they were like, oh my God, we love your Apple Music stuff. And I was like, girls, like you're literally celebrities. What are you doing saying that I'm good? And they were like, no, we love it. So they, they're just brilliant ladies. They're, they're cool. so talented. And they were like, why are you not? already famous and I was like well <laughs> you can help with that maybe I'll have to move to Houston <laughs> yes yeah um, so I did that and then the rest of the night it was all it was all very strange order then they ate so you know normally we do the breakfast breading breakfast mm. here and then we have the sort of reception bit where we do the first dance and everything but yeah. everything was a bit higgledy piggledy but I loved it okay and you know then we had a tornado and it was tornado hurricane I can't remember oh, tornado yeah, yeah. as in a storm tornado. it was yeah, yeah. yes I didn't know that was like a no, dance an actual dance. tornado wow so we went back to our hotel room me and my manager and um, <laughs> we got there and my phone started to create this like alarm that I've never heard before. And it was a Amber, no, not Amber. It was a severe wedding. Severe wedding disorder. Severe weather warning. Severe weather warning. It was like, get to shelter now. Oh, no. And it was like the loudest alarm I've ever heard in my life. I was like, right, <laughs> what do we do? And then um, my manager had it on the news and he was like, it's fine, it's fine, we're well out of the way. He told me the next day, we were not well out of the way. Oh, we were in the boring. middle Ooh. of the tornado. I slept right through it. That's sick. It was bad. Oh, I'd be like outside. And oh, then I told I don't, like, we're talking like American hurricanes. Yeah, like, yeah. But everyone says to you, you know, oh, do you not worry? You know, when you think about going to these places, you think, oh, I'm going to be worried about the creepy crawlies or the natural disasters. When you're there, you don't think of any of it. So okay. I was so relaxed i think probably the adrenaline yeah. of being there and everything i wasn't bothered but then woke up the next day and i was like we could have died <laughs> i literally could have died uh, i'm fully in the mindset of you know when you see those like lunatic cars driving after tornadoes yeah oh, great fun. oh no. so, yeah <laughs> so uh, uh, a weddings you said weddings were like a big part of the stuff you do mm. do you always find them really special i have always been a huge fan of weddings i think there's something about just parties that are about love it's just so wonderful <laughs> i just love I, I love the whole reception bit you know the the ceremony's like it's all right and then they clear the tables away and you know <laughs> it's, it's about to go down because the dance floor's out and i love that bit and it's just you know it is nice to see people fall in love and just be with their person i just love weddings so it's nice that i get to be involved with a lot of them because either i'm a guest or i'm actually playing or i'm both a guest and playing yeah. which is always fun and means you don't need to get a wedding gift because i am the gift <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's such a nice line that she wanted you to be the gift <laughs> yeah it was brilliant it was very yeah a real a real um honor to play for jen uh, amanda's wedding that oh, jen yeah. organized and then they had a band in the evening. The band were amazing. Really? The London Khan Orchestra, I believe they're called. Um, so from London? <laughs> strangely not. No. From, yeah, the States. But they were they were phenomenal. And we danced all night. It was brilliant. That's that cool. was the other nice thing. They let me stay and party, which, of course, I wouldn't say no to. Mm. I do know a few people that play quite a lot of weddings and mm -hmm. no longer play a lot of weddings because they built up a reputation of maybe outstaying their welcome oh, no. at the weddings. Like you're offered a free buffet and maybe they help themselves a bit too much. And <laughs> Love a free the, buffet. The bar was open to them and maybe they 
oh no abuse that a bit too much to oh, the gosh. point of like you're not the groom's father what are you doing no. hugging the bride but also i would never drink and perform because that's like no. drink no. drinking while you're working with yeah. children or something it's just not it's not it's just not it's no. just not what you do no yeah. and you're still you know even if you're there and you're there and you're invited to have food you're still a professional for that yeah, evening i believe so yeah it is such a weird one with music though isn't it because like um drinking is so largely accepted when you're a musician like, it is yeah and i i don't think i agree with that i don't mm. i think yes if you're a dad in a dad band and you want to have a beer while you're playing the pub i can't wait if, for it to happen <laughs> <laughs> you're Tristan, you've got years yet. yeah <laughs> but if you're you know if you're doing it professionally you're trying to be perceived as a professional mm. musician i think it 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 takes away your, it's your inappropriate a little yeah. bit yeah I, I think if you're trying to do it in a very professional capacity I think you know I sort of get it when you're you know you're just a band playing a gig and you're doing it just because you like playing music you're not wanting to build that up in any kind of professional way mm-hmm. but I I, I I do agree with you and also I can't play after I've had anything to drink <laughs> <laughs> I'm useless and I wouldn't trust myself so well, I've seen some horrible things at open mic yeah you know, yes. people falling over um, drum kits and, you know, oh, it's messy. <laughs> That's why we're all members of the Musicians' Union. We've got our public <laughs> yeah, liability yeah, insurance, insurance. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We don't want drunk people vomiting all over our equipment. It's Goodness, great. But no, but no, like you said earlier with the thatch and stuff, like with the boom mic, like hitting mm. your teeth and people crashing into you. I've had get... that before. That's probably mm. the most painful thing of a gig where someone hits the boom. And, yeah. and it hits it your teeth. It clatters you in the face. I thought I might have lost some teeth, but no. <laughs> we dodged that one. Uh, Battle of the Acoustics. Oh! I would love to hear about that. What well, For the listeners, um, could you please tell us the entire process? What First of all, what it is and what happened? So Battle of the Acoustics was a new thing that was created this uh, summer in Devon. And there's a place called Westwood Ho, which is the only place in the UK, fact, ready, ready for the trivia, that has, Tristan's showing me with his hands, that has an exclamation point at the end. Oh, is it? Yes. So it's Westwood Ho, not Westwood Ho, (laughs) Westwood Ho. And you see it on the buses. Wow. Only place in the UK. Is it the world or is it the UK, Tristan? I don't know about the world. I think it's the UK. So yeah, Westwood Ho, they hosted at a venue called The Pig on the Beach. They hosted a Battle of the Acoustics competition, which you guessed it as like Battle of the Bands, but Mm -hmm. for acoustic musicians. And I'm very much, I'm in a wedding band with the lovely Tristan. Um, But I've always been a bit of a lone wolf because... It's just easy to rely on yourself, isn't it, Tristan? Yeah, it's absolutely. difficult when there's loads of you. Like the wedding brand, brilliant. I rely on those boys like with my whole heart. Aww. But when it comes to artist stuff, it's just easy for me as Grace George to just turn up, rehearse with myself and so all that. Mm. So I do that. I thought, Battle of the Acoustics, that's right up my street. And then I find out that the prize, the first prize is to win an EP being recorded in Devon. Awesome. And I was like... Okay, well, that hasn't come at a better time because I would quite like one of those and (laughs) I don't have the money for one of those. And I've been wanting to record my own music for so long now and it is just the money. I mean, we all know recording, producing, mixing, mastering, branding, 
so expensive yeah i've so expensive we just like the band i'm in just we had our last single we just went it wasn't sounding good from anything we'd got from like friends or like the people that we'd recorded with that it just Mm. wasn't good enough and we just went you know what sod it we just sent it off to like we know the guy but he is Mm. top notch like full of like 1975 and his alumni and stuff like that oh brilliant Um, but like 900 quid later yeah you've got one track yeah it's like oh it's just mental um anyway you won i won (laughs) amazing it was it was i was do you know i didn't expect to win as well because there was some really good artists playing and the first round was it was like a heat so it went on over facebook live which i still haven't seen the live footage i still don't know what it looked or sounded like but people have said i mean it clearly sounded good oh that's kind yeah people said it was all right just believe it now don't need to yeah (laughs) never have to watch it but um yeah so the the first heat was voted for by facebook live votes and then three of us got through out of how many there was 11 10 or 11 okay and um three of us got through and then it was we performed again and then so we got a 20 minute slot for the first round 20 minute slot for the second and then a winner and I was very lucky and some very kind people chose me and I am over the moon because I really want to record some of my own music now. And, is, and, and this is stuff that you've written? Yes. Ah. yes. And do you know when? Uh, it's whenever I like. Okay. So very soon. I'm ah. I'm pretty much ready. I'm going to go down to Devon. Studios at? It's at On Track in Barnstable. Okay. Yeah. So where the old go-karting track used to be. Mm. So very apt name, yes, yes I know as do is. I. Love a bit of go-karting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Really excited. Mm. And the guy that runs it, Ryan, is who was lovely, he came up to me after my set and he was like, oh, do you know what kind of sound you want to go for? And he was like, you thinking like full band? And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, all of that. Okay. And so I think he was quite excited by my enthusiasm. So so, so with this, you're going to take like a new approach. You're going to do, it, it's going to be full band, yeah. all that all that side of stuff. Yeah, I'm oh, a wow. pop girl. Wow. Yeah. I'm a pop girl. We're going to yeah. do... Full GG. It's going to be a different sound to the acoustic covers, but um, I'm really excited about it because, you know, it was always going to be different to the acoustic covers because the acoustic covers are their own entity. Yeah, absolutely. They are GG in a calmer and more relaxed. Yeah. Mm. It's so it it is so interesting to me, like the these different sides of the same artist, and and it seems like they're quite distinct. Like, you know, you you have the really calm acoustic cover. You have, like, the obviously quite high-energy wedding singer, mm. like, a pub pub singer as well. And then now and then now there's going to be this EP. I'm and very it, excited. It kind of makes perfect sense because as, like, guitar players between, like, me and Will or, or any kind of musician just trying to do their own thing by themselves, you have to be able to play a bit of everything. Yeah. Like, we have to play wedding gigs. We have to play other people's original music or, or our own bands where we compose maybe our own kind of style of music so why not a singer why not an artist have those different sides yeah. as well yeah, yeah it's all tools in our toolbox isn't it absolutely absolutely yes. so is that kind of where you see yourself going next so you want to release this ep and then do you want to gig this sort of in like a full band setting or just do like a small run of shows where it's kind of designed around the ep launch Definitely would be nice to have a band. Um, mm-hmm. Always grateful of a band. I love performing just 
being able to dance around like a mad woman and having a band behind me. That's yeah. my favourite thing. That's why I love playing with Tristan and my wedding, wedding band, band so much. Because I just get to jump around and oh, sing and it was good fun yeah disco so we did a gig the other day and it was a festival gig and grace ran into the crowd um, with <laughs> a wireless <laughs> mic no, was... singing i don't want oh. i want to dance with somebody by whitney houston but you say ran into the crowd you make it sound very smooth there was a so i i stood on the monitors which i did ask permission to do she i asked ask dean permission. the sound engineer mm-hmm. who is brilliant Dean Kirby, my sound engineer in Devon. He's phenomenal. Um, shout out. <laughs> uh, I stood on one of their monitors and said, am I allowed to stand on that if I want to mount the stage? And he was like, yeah, yeah, stood on that. And then there was, you know, at festivals, they have the, the sort of bars. Yeah, yeah. You'd like to keep the ah, crazy fans off. <laughs> there was so many crazy fans, <laughs> <Yeah>. wasn't there? <laughs> Absolutely. So fans. I kind of, I went for it, but it was a bit tall you know when you think you've got one foot one side and you think you can get the other foot the other side but it was it was too high (laughs) if you know what I'm saying so I had to kind of push myself up and I'm in these big heels I was like oh how are we gonna do this gracefully managed to get over not very gracefully Mm. dance with the crowd singing Whitney Houston as we know I don't want I, I want to dance with somebody and then I had to get back over and I've got a video where you can hear me say <laughs> give me a boost someone push my bum yeah. <laughs> and my butt is just there like please I managed to make it over but yeah that was a really fun gig yeah you got literally she got over back onto the stage like within maybe half a bar before the key change at the end of that song. God. Like as Leaving perfect a timing you I can needed, imagine for it. I needed to be away from the children. And also <laughs> when you when you sort of get out, the further you leave the stage, the less you've got of the monitoring, obviously. And the mic yeah. was wireless, so we were starting to lose it. And I was like, if I'm going to do this key change, mm. i got to be back on stage with my full monitoring set up. So I returned. Yeah. <laughs> It was a fun gig though. It was really fun. You did very well and the other boys were brilliant. Oh, well, I can't yeah. wait to see it at some point. And what, what's that wedding band called? Together. One, two, three. Coast coastline. Coastline. Oh, I don't know why I went with that at the start. <laughs> why did you add the that? I don't know. I was thinking the Coastline Band, but uh, Coastline is Coastline. Coastline. Yeah. We're cool. Because oh, wow. we're all from coast. We all like the coast. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Um, yeah. How do you... So so coming away from that a little bit, um, like Will and myself and like probably most musicians, definitely our age, you work a day job as well. How do you find like the creative side of things? Do you feel it's dampered by the day job or do you like coming home when you've worked all day to playing guitar writing recording or like like you said you normally just drive straight from work sometimes to gigs i do do you find that tiring does it kind of wear you out a little bit or do you Hmm. actually find it motivates you more to get on with what you really want to do in life oh god yeah Hmm. so there's two sides to that question first side i've always been a child and an adult that needs a hell of a lot of sleep okay so if i don't get my sleep Everyone I'm close to knows about it because I'm a horrible person. <laughs> I'm really, I get really ratty and I get really hangry. You know, you can tell I need my sleep. I'm one of those, okay. which is why I'm terrified if one day I go on tour and like I'm up all day, all night. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, I don't survive know. that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but on the other hand, so yes, it's tough because I'm mm. gigging all weekend and then I'm working a breakfast club with children and an after school club and the hours are tough but I love it and on the other side of it of that question I am always Grace George Mm. so yes I'm a bit Hannah Montana in that as soon as I put that dress on I'm Grace George but at the same time Grace George and other Grace we are one Mm. and 
I sort of, I'm always about my music. So I talk to the kids about it. I sing to the kids. I tell the kids about my music. I tell them, I, they often see me at work. And if, if I've got a full face makeup on, they go, Oh, are you, are you doing a performance tonight? And I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) And it's so sweet because they all notice. And then, um, I did a really sort of sneaky marketing technique at the end Mm. of last year because all the year six has left. And I thought, right, I've really got on with a lot of you. You're really sweet children. So what I'm going to do, do you all an individual card saying, I've loved meeting you. You'll be amazing at your new school. You're really good at this, like football or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll put, don't forget, (laughs) you can find me on any streaming platform. And inside this card is a little business card of Grace George. And I asked my my bosses if it was all right, if I just gave them out. And they were like, yeah, "Yeah, sure. Just make sure the parents don't mind. So I said to all the parents, oh, there's a QR code to scan on the back. Just make sure you supervise. But it's all about me. they They were like, oh, that's great. So hopefully I have some little fans coming. So that's it's good. all that's about... a new marketing. It yeah. is, yeah. Get them in, good idea. Young. <laughs> Get them young, yeah, yeah. literally. So in, in so many ways, I'm a different person when I'm at work with the children, but in so many other ways, I'm still my crazy self. And, you know, I've that is my life music is my life being mm. an artist is my life so they get that side of me no matter what i don't go to work and i'm someone who is yeah i don't know just someone who's just completely shut off from it or yeah. not involved yeah. in themselves that must be so lovely for the kids as well like to have that sort of role model maybe like for me growing up in schools it wasn't until I was in year, I definitely didn't want to do music. I was doing well at music and I mm. was always playing and I was playing in bands and gigging around at that time. But for me, music wasn't like the main drive because at the time my music teacher was not enthusiastic at oh, all. Oh, tell me about it. So like, just just not interested. Mm-hmm. She was lovely, bless her, and a really talented musician, but mm-hmm. she just didn't have the engagement. And then in year 10, this guy called Nick Rye took over who had worked as a professional producer and he actually listens to this podcast so hello nick Nick. Um, (laughs) thanks for teaching tristan he's amazing (laughs) um and he'd done like session works as drummers he got everyone in so you had i know this is anderton sort of talk now so he got like peter honore in to come play guitar at our school events who um had you know toured the world with uh, girls allowed and people like that he's he's a legend so you had all these musicians suddenly coming in and like Mm. when we did like inter school like gigs which we'd do at g live a bit like he'd get up on stage and every other teacher was like the classic sort of teacher in front mm, of the microphone mm. and next up we have William whereas Nick would just will go on stage he's like right, I'm going to play drums for this next one like, <laughs> tell a few jokes like just walked on like a little like little tweed jacket I love that sat down and just like played the piano next played the drums played a guitar for all the kids and like Aww. it just made it so much better and it's like oh you can be cool and you can have a career before you go into teaching and music and you can be Thank really you. good yeah. yeah and it was really nice so I'm sure you have like a similar impact well, the kids. more like I had a similar experience because, well, my secondary school, I just, I sort of, I had a certain teacher who, <laughs> um, oh, you know, I'm past it. I really don't care. We're not going to mention names. <laughs> no. But I never felt like she liked me. And okay. she was also classically trained and very, this is the way and there's no other. They, they very much weren't into the pop scene. and. Sure. I felt like I was really stifled when I did GCSE music. I mean, GCSE music is tough anyway. We all know that. Yeah. But I felt they had one way of explaining it and that was the way. And then there's me who's writing songs that aren't really in keys 
And mm. I'm like, oh, but, yeah. but I've done it special. And they're like, no, that's not right. You've done it wrong. But then it's this great song I've written and she's not telling me how creative I am and how yeah. she can help me improve it. And um, there's so many like detailed things like lyricists are so important and top lining mm-hmm. is like the most important part yeah. of a pop song. So that should be praised, not yeah. just anyway. And that's why I love seeing Clean Bandit recently at, at Ocean Fest, a festival in mm. Devon, because they make classical music sexy and like they make it cool and yeah. current. And actually there's room for classical music to be more than just what it was back in, mm. you know, the yeah. olden days. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. There is a lot to be said with like, because we play in our wedding band with Ben, who is a classical musician, yeah. but he is annoying because he's just good at everything. <laughs> just you good. know how Jacob's yeah. good at everything? Yeah. Ben's next level. Yeah. Yeah, he's infuriating. He's got like, perfect pitch. He's ah. like, so I, I sing next to him and I'm constantly on edge that he's just going to be... He's the nicest bloke He's the nicest nice guy ever. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, was I a bit off that? And he'll be like, no. And I'll be like, either you're mm. lying or... <laughs> it always just... feels like a cheat code, doesn't it? Having perfect pitch. Whenever someone's like, oh yeah, I've got perfect pitch. Yep. Like, oh, but okay. did you know you're born with it? Really? Yeah, you can't... Well, you can learn to be close. You can learn to do your intervals and... Yeah, yeah of course. And get there, but... You develop it very young. Yeah. What's his name? Rick Beato goes into detail yeah. because both his kids have perfect pitch. He doesn't he has relative pitch, but he said he kind of, he didn't push his kids to have it, but he noticed they had it, but he thinks mm. it's because they were exposed to, and he's got quite a lot of research in it as well. Mm. They were exposed to his music when they were young and that was really overcomplicated jazz and really overcomplicated postmodern stuff like that music. And so they started to associate sounds and notes with pieces of music and that's how they developed it so i think he does a really interesting youtube video about it where um he said to his son he played a chord on the guitar and Mm. his son went that's the batman chord oh wow and he went oh that's interesting and he played batman it was like a b minor he's like oh that's weird what about if i play this and he played like a b minor higher higher up the piano he went yeah batman chord call that b minor from now on and what about this and he knew from all these tv shows what the chords were wow yeah that's interesting but but i wonder how close how close a lot of people are to that because in in my head i could sing like a a song that we all know, something like Sweet Child of Mine. In my head, if I started to sing that, I'd probably be You'd quite close to yeah. the key. Yeah. So I feel like we've all sort of got that. Play the game. I'm not playing the game. <laughs> I'm not playing Let's the game. Play. <laughs> yeah, because I'll be, I'll be like half, half an octave out as far as far as possible. <laughs> and then it's then it's there for the world to see yeah. forever. No, no, but but I don't know. Well, interestingly, my dad used to do the same thing. He used to play a chord, and I'd turn away, and I could tell him what chord it was on the guitar. Um, mm. So you're right. Everyone's got it to a certain extent, but I by no means have perfect pitch like no, Charlie Puth. No, no, no. Can you imagine? No, that'd be amazing. Yeah, amazing. Oh, that's why I hate Ben. Maybe I'll w- yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll work really hard if I have children. To you will have perfect pitch. <laughs> you will learn it. You will succeed. Literally, what this. I was saying a few minutes ago about not pushing your children to play an instrument, <laughs> and there I am. That's going to be you. <laughs> So in terms of like a, a bit like that, what is the what's your creative process for, put, for putting Ooh, a song together? When I write a song, mm. oh, I've done it all sorts of ways. I've done it lyrics first, and then well, I've done it all sorts of ways. So I've top line for producers, which obviously you have the mm-hmm. um, track and you yeah. just write the lyrics and the melody as it goes. I tend to go for more of a improvisation process so i'll no 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 sing something and i'm like oh i like that little um like Mm. hook i've just come up with and then put some lyrics to that that's kind of how i do top lining it'll be 
no, 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 like sing along with it, improvise very much. Is that pre-prepared lyrics that you've brought in? No, or I'll you write them in the moment spiel? because something, this is important actually for listeners who are starting writing. Something I used to do when I was writing songs is I'd just try and write a song. I'd sit down and go, I'm going to write a song. And I would have no idea what topic that song was going to be. And I'd end up just writing and it'd be a bit random and it wouldn't really make sense. And then I'd go on like a few different feelings and or boyfriends or whatever. I'd write about a few different things and it just wouldn't have a direct okay. message. Okay. And then I realised that to write a song, it needs to be about something, which mm. I know sounds really stupid and like yeah. common sense. But it's hard to know where to start. It is, but once you've got that idea, oh, I'm going to write about that ex that did that. Mm. So say say your ex was, I don't know, an alcoholic and you're writing a song about their alcoholism. Mm. That is a really good start. And then you've got pretty much what it's going to be about. Whereas years ago, I would start writing and I'd be like, oh, the sky is blue. And then I'd be like, oh, I get to the chorus and my head hurts. And it's like, well, this doesn't make any sense now. And I'm just lost in my feelings. But once you know what, once you've got a brief is what I'm trying to say. You okay. need a brief. Yeah. So that's what I write to at the moment when I've, when I know what I'm going to write about. Maybe even a song title. So that's if cool. you know the song title is going to be Yellow, for example, yeah. Coldplay, mm. you know, a hit. There's one we all know. There you yes. go. Just popped into my head. <laughs> that is you know you're going to write about something yellow, aren't you? So you've got, I guess, like a podcast. You, I yeah. don't know how you guys plan it, but you might have a title and then you work around that as your main brief. And then you, that's how yeah. I write yeah. a song, pretty much. Okay, that's interesting. Do you ever, have you ever branched out into other songwriting techniques? Like tried, tried with cut-up techniques, tried with word associations and stuff like that? I've done all of that. I, mm. I love a um, bit of Rhyme Zone. Mm-hmm. Shout out to rhymezone.com or whatever the <laughs> website is. Love that because I'm really into finding a rhyme, but sometimes you think of a word and you want just a near rhyme or you want something that doesn't quite rhyme, but it's just a bit jarring to yeah. sort of, you know, one of those. Love that for that. Um, I've had the thesaurus. That's difficult to say. Thesaurus. Yeah, I'm not going to try. Had them out. I've also, I mean, lockdown for me, everyone says, oh, it was so boring. For me, it was probably the most productive songwriting time of my life. So I had the chance to write with some people in LA because my amazing vocal coach actually shared this. Chris Johnson, he's the best vocal coach in the world. He shared another vocal coach in LA was doing a songwriting virtual um, experience on Zoom for people in lockdown and it was free. And this was like what everyone needed. Mm. So a bunch of songwriters from all over the world got together on Zoom. There was hundreds of us and we were split into groups. You um, sectioned yourself into groups of ability that you felt you were comfortable in. And every week we met, we wrote a song a week in groups or on our own or whatever we felt. And it was the best time of my life. I wrote some of the best songs I've written in that time. And yeah, and we did some really interesting processes. So we were always given a brief, um, again, need a brief. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the most difficult briefs I had was probably to write a song from another person's perspective. Okay. So that's a big one. Uh, I think Ben Folds came up with this because he did a writer's retreat um, for Dave in LA who created sure. his writer's retreat. Mm-hmm. So he kind of took that idea and he did it for us. And... I wrote a song 
and I was it's I think it's what everyone does I was too nice so imagine imagine your ex dumped you and you had to write from their perspective how how they felt doing it yeah sure. so okay. as the person that's being dumped you're naturally going to feel like they were in the wrong but maybe the person that dumped you feels like you're in the wrong okay. I mean it's difficult so you have to jump into their shoes and write what you think they would feel but you're naturally you take your own side yeah, subconsciously so you don't write something that you am I making sense yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you have to yeah, really definitely. get into their shoes yeah, understand what their motives were and, and that's and really try and, hard emotionally connect with that on yeah. a certain level rather than yeah. just saying that he's a yeah <laughs> and when you're that in when you're in that much sort of rage with something or it's a something that's made you very emotional it's so hard to do that yeah especially when there's a sort of friction between in in the relationship or you're writing about relationship of any kind that's really difficult and i think that was probably the hardest thing because i remember dave said to me you you need to let go more. This is you're not doing enough for mm. you're not doing that person credit kind of thing. And I was like, but okay. why would I want to do that? And he was like, exactly. He was like, you need to be <laughs> the person and forget you. You know. So it's really difficult to write from another person's perspective, yeah. um, and that's definitely not something I do. But it was really fun exercise yeah. for sure. Do you find songwriting therapeutic? Because I know a lot of people that maybe don't pursue music. Um, that will just write for fun, use it as that sort of release of mm. I want to get how I feel on paper. It doesn't have to go anywhere mm. or be with anyone, but it'd be nice if I just like recorded a little bit of it and went forward. Yeah. So personally, I've, I mean, I know a lot of people who do that mm. and you hear about it, you know, all these, all these pop stars and they go, oh, I was in a really, really tough place and I wrote this song and it just poured out and I was crying and all that. Personally, <laughs> If I've just been dumped or I've had a really tough time, I just want to cry about it. I just want to have some time where I'm really, really sad. And that's okay. I have never been in a place where I'm so sad and thought, oh, I need to write a song about it. And my mum will be there like, write a song about it. And I'll be like, go away. You know, I'll be in that much of a state. And I'll be like, I don't want to do that right now. And where the songs come for me is when I've healed <laughs> Yeah, sure. When I go back to that place, you know, a bit of emotion memory because yeah. I was trained as an actor a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so I, oh, little side note. Oh, okay. We'll keep that in the bag. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, no, it's so I very much go step into that emotional state afterwards. Okay. I can't write when I'm that sad at the moment. It's never happened to me yet. I mean, it might be I get into a sad or really happy situation and I just want to write about it but so far in my life in my 24 years I haven't yet written a song where I'm actually crying my eyes out but maybe I will so do you do you view that creative process is it quite a methodical thing as in you you view it as work or Ooh, good question yes and no so it's difficult isn't it because when I used to go to school at our school when it was secondary school and mm -hmm. you were forced to do oh, you're forced to do all the subjects all day that weren't music. Yeah, yeah. It used to make me so annoyed. So I come home and I'm like, oh, I just want to play my guitar. So go to my room, play my guitar, sing all night. You know, it was my favourite thing in the whole wide world. I'd sing in the shower. I remember the days when, <laughs> when I used to sing 
the whole of the Phantom of the Opera in the shower. This is when I was into musicals. That's a challenging one. I know. And it's I a come long out, shower. I know, literally, my mum's water bills when I was young. Honestly, it's horrendous. I used to come out and be like, the walls are like peeling because I've had such a long shower. And I'd be like, Mum, I hit the high B flat. And she'd be like, Great, turn the extractor on. <laughs> it's just steam. It was so bad, literally. So yeah, loved those moments. And you know, you sing in the shower. And then I remember someone said to me a few years ago, I've been doing music for a while, you know, full time. They went, oh, I love singing in the shower. And I just, I sort of paused and I went, I don't remember the last time I sung in the shower. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's being an adult and we just grow out of it a bit i mean i know a lot of adults that sing in the shower i mean boys come on let's be honest do you sing in the shower oh oh well we lived together for three years (laughs) yeah well i think (laughs) no one ever sung in the shower our friend who was a songwriter occasionally sung in the shower i'll definitely hum out ideas Oh, that's cute. I'll, I'll definitely do that. But actually sing, I don't, think I, I don't think I ever actually sing. Apart from when me and you are in the car, we listen to like that trash country music. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to ever go into too Take much detail about... Uh, no, no. Oh, we're no. talking way worse. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. We listen to like... <laughs> we, he, has a, he has a playlist called Redneck and we'll leave it at that. Oh. And I think I, I'm fairly confident I know at least 80% of all the words it, of all the tracks. Have you ever heard of Luke Bryan? Yeah, I love Luke Bryan. There's, there's a lot of Luke Bryan oh, on go it. Go on, I'll get in that car ride with you. Yeah. Deep Southern Christian rock. Beautiful. Yeah, there was a lot of that in Texas, actually, on, on the radio. Because oh, there yeah. was no Orcs lead in our hire car. So it was all radio. We just had constant Christian. Oh, I bet love that was God. cool. <laughs> I bet that was cool. Oh, wow, it's brilliant. And billboards everywhere, but yeah. So if the younger Grace George was here, what piece of advice, oh. if you had to give her one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, there's so. Do you, do I have to give her one piece of advice? Because no, no, no. I've got many. Start with one. Oh, what's the most important though? Okay, my one piece of advice would be: stop saying when I'm ready. Because yeah. that was my thing. You know, I I. I mean, most parents be like, oh, you're not putting yourself on YouTube until you're this age. I did that to myself. My mum was sort of all for, she's been so supportive Mm. my entire life. Like you two have really supportive parents. But I I said to myself, I'm not putting myself on YouTube until I'm 16 because what's going to happen is I'm going to post stuff. And then I heard this rumor that you can't delete YouTube videos, which we all know now is is not a thing. But I was panicked that I was going to, release youtube videos and i was going to regret it five years later and then i realize now it's all a journey like Mm. i've got stuff on youtube that i was probably 18 that i'm not that happy about but it's it's all about improvement and how i've developed as an artist and i didn't put stuff on youtube when i was 16 that's the point i kept saying oh when i'm ready When, when i'm when i'm ready and do you know what a good analogy for that is um that a vocal coach called Gemma Suguru told me who's amazing she said it's like saying I'm not booking that holiday until I've got the bikini body or I'm not putting that bikini body on but bikini on until I've got the bikini body no one really does that well I personally don't do that and I don't think any woman should do that we've all got beautiful bodies beautiful bikini bodies no matter what Mm. we look like put that bikini on so what you know and I think I've been behaving like that with my music and I you know, I keep thinking, oh, my voice isn't ready yet. Oh, this isn't ready yet. Oh, that song isn't good enough yet. No, just do it. Is that still something you struggle with? Yes. <laughs> That's my advice to <laughs> Grace two minutes ago. Current, current <laughs> And Grace. child Grace. My other advice to child Grace 
I actually gave this advice to a little girl after our gig the other day. Oh. We played the coastline. Play, uh-huh. The coastline. We are forever going to be known as the, <laughs> the coastline, coastline now. now. We played uh, a festival and a little girl came up to me. And she was like, she was so, she was so in awe. And I was like, oh, wow. I remember being like that with loads of girls when I was her age. And she was like, I want to be you. And I just wow. went, no. <laughs> and the poor, <laughs> the poor girl looked like she was absolutely terrified. <laughs> yeah, literally like Tristan's face. Yeah, and broke her. <laughs> and I went, no, you don't want to be me. And I said, only you can be you. And I said, please never say that to anyone. And I said, you are the only person who can do you. I am me because I am me. I don't want to be anyone but me because I am individual and unique and that is who I am. And you are individual, beautiful, unique, all these things. And I said, please only want to be you. And on one hand, I went through a childhood of being obsessed with Taylor Swift. (laughs) And I probably still say I wish I was Taylor Swift, but not. You know, I know that I am myself Hmm. and I love Taylor Swift. And I think another lesson to myself would be don't be ashamed to love Taylor Swift. Because I got (laughs) to an age where I was like, oh God, you know, can't be one of those girls that loves Taylor Swift. But I've loved Taylor Swift since the day Taylor Swift was Taylor Swift. And I love her with so much of my heart. And the boys are looking at me like, what are you going on about Taylor Swift? It's the other way around, honestly. Tristan Finn loves. So Finn, our drummer, um, for, for the coastline band yeah um, he got into this thing where he could see all the people he was like friends with on spotify like mm. see what they were currently listening to <laughs> oh i love and that feature he started I taking love that screenshots yeah. every time i listened to taylor swift oh. and then it came up at like the end of the year like your top plays see were you slightly embarrassed like, by that because that would be okay yes, i know it's but okay we shouldn't be embarrassed by I, it i was okay because like someone like Slipknot was in there as well yeah (laughs) I think with me though the thing is I'm embarrassed because the only thing I listen to is Taylor Swift like I pretend I've got this eclectic you know music on my Spotify but all my playlists are private because it's like folk more which is folklore and evermore in one playlist and then I've got like all the other playlists which have just Taylor Swift and some other artists like I don't have this eclectic genre kind of thing that I make out I have because all I listen to is Taylor Swift (laughs) So really, that's why I was embarrassed. And I think I should be proud that I love Taylor Swift. And, you know, there's loads of artists I love. I just went to see Ed Sheeran, didn't I? And I'm obsessed with him. Yeah. So, but Taylor is my, she's my main girl, bring for in, sure. Bring it back to that Ed Sheeran thing. Did you like, considering what I wanted to bring it up earlier, but what we spoke about, about maybe putting yourself out there a little bit more, because Ed Sheeran's quite a big promoter of like writing songs and being an artist is like running a dirty tap. You just mm, keep it going until all the rubbish analogy. comes out. And then he'll he quite openly play you like stuff he recorded when he was 16. Yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah. Because he knows that it took that to get where he is. Do you like really sympathize with that on the same? Oh, big mindset? time. That mm. is such a good analogy. I've always loved that. Mm. And the more you write, the better the songs get. That is the truest thing ever. And you only realize that the more you write. So, mm. you know, when you're in a, in a, sort of situation where you're just right, 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 right. They just get better and better. Yeah. And I don't, I think, you know, yes, there's the, oh, you, there's two sides to it because you could say, oh, I'm not ready. I'm going to write a better song. Yes. On one hand you are, but on the other hand, the more you write, the better you get. And and no matter how many songs you write, you're always going to write something better, but you shouldn't have that mindset because you'll think that, oh, I'm always going to write something better. You should, 
Yeah. Because it's a bit like it's a bit like that whole the approach people have going to the gym. Even when you can lift the weights that you wish you were able to lift now, when you're at that point, you'll be wishing you could lift 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 ten kilo heavier. And at oh, that yeah. point, more and more and more. So I think it's it's there's there's always going to be that constant cycle of there's you know there's a next step. But if you never start lifting the weights, you'll never get to that first hurdle, will you? Yeah. So true. Lovely. You okay? Bit warm. Bit warm in here. Bit yeah. warm. It has started to. It has started to. to We're warm in a up. sauna. Well, thank you very much, Grace George, for coming on our podcast, Open Back Today. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, and you've had lots of really interesting yeah. stuff to share. Oh, thank you so much for having me, boys. It's been great to catch up our, and yeah, come our, on this amazing podcast. Our first guest, our first ever guest. And don't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, if people have enjoyed it, where do they find us? So you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, come and check us out and also head over to Instagram. Check out at Official Grace George and head on to Spotify or Apple Music as well. Whatever you listen to your music and it's Grace George. And uh, go and check her out. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, guys. You Thank you for listening. Cheers.